We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I don't know how to do this without taking shots. I think it's cool that Billy Joel and Rod Stewart are going to come to the, the Brown Stadium. I should lead with that before I kind of have the conversation we have the conversation. Because it made me think about this. Like, I, I shared earlier in the show when Daryl was here that, you know, Ness and I got Aerosmith tickets because she's never seen them. And this is allegedly Aerosmith's uh, farewell tour. Uh, I say allegedly because you just never know. Like, Kiss, Kiss literally had a farewell tour. And, like, a week ago, Gene Simmons is like, yeah, I think we could be getting the band back together. It's like, that's not how farewell. This is, like, rock bands have more retirements than Ric Flair and it's getting a little much for me. But, like, when I got the, the Aerosmith tickets, I did it understanding that I don't think... I'm not, I'm not going to see the best version of Aerosmith I've ever seen. All right? Like, I know... I, I saw them with... I actually think it was Kiss about 20 years ago at Blossom. And I think I saw them... They did some hairband tribute act. So, so some hairband was on tour with them. It's like a year later. I, I went and saw that too. Because that back when I was in high school, I was really into Aerosmith. It was one of my favorite bands. And I've, I've evolved since. But in going to this concert, I know I'm going to hear Dream On. And it's going to be about 60% of what Dream On is on on radio, right? Or on 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 vinyl. And yet I'm still going. And so, like, there has to be a point. Like, the, the Rolling Stones are coming to town as well. And I'm a late-in-life Stones fan, all right? Um, glaucoma medication and vinyl have, have opened my mind to the Mick Taylor era. So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm there. There's, there's about four albums. They blew my mind. All the other stuff is just kind of stuff, right? Like, they have a new album. Good for them. You know what? They're 80. Good for them. But, like... You're going to go see Mick Jagger. And there's going to be a part of you that says, that dude is old as balls. Like that dude, I mean, for the love of God. And he's doing the same seductive chicken face thing that that like got women hot and bothered 40 years ago. And there's going to be a part of me that as somebody who, who intuitively understands the hilarity of situations, there's going to be a part of me that laughs internally at that. So I'm wondering, like when you go to see, let's say an advanced age act, is part of it just to say you saw him? Like, like, do you, like when you buy tickets for Billy Joel and, and Rod Stewart, is part of you realize it could be not a good show. I'm not trying to be a D here. I'm just saying like, I saw Black Keys, I saw Cage the Elephant open up for Black Keys a decade ago. And it was right before Cage hit. Like, well, Cage had already had that first album with Ain't No Rest for the Wicked. But, like, they had been building to being an op- a, 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 a headline band themselves. And that was, like, their last opening tour. And so I saw a band on the, on the cusp. And that was right after 
um, the keys, that that big album they had with like a gold on the ceiling and everything, right before they kind of went on a little hiatus because of the pressure of being that big of a band. So they were one one band ascending at their peak, and they were both bands were insane live. So when I go to see a band that is like under sixty, let's just say, I do go expecting. This thing, like I saw Lucas Nelson in Promise of the Real a few weeks back, or a few months back, House of the Blues. If I had gone there and they were playing the songs that I love at 60% of what they, I'd be pissed. I'd be like, what the hell? Like, what? you're you're 30. Like, what, what are we doing here? But admittedly, like, I'm going to Arizona, I'm, I'm going to Aerosmith to kind of say goodbye. You know what I mean? Like, there's a morbid curiosity factor. And so, like, I'm going to go see Billy Joel sit on a bench and kind of be an old man singing a song that he used to he used to really relate to. Right? Like, I'm not being an a-hole on this, right? Like, when you buy tickets to a senior citizen rock band, you're, you're not expecting to be blown away, right? You're kind of expecting just to sing along to the songs that you love, and you're kind of just going, in some ways, potentially in case it's their last tour, right? Like, I'm not, uh, am, am I being an a-hole here? Because I'm getting, a, I'm getting some looks in the studio that might be bit, being a bit of an a-hole here. I don't think so. I think, honestly, part of it is just, like you said, say that you saw it to say that you saw it. Because I feel like people ask you, what what are some of your favorite concerts or who are some of the people that you've seen? Mm-hmm. And at least you can say, oh, I've, saw, I've seen Aerosmith. They never ask you what when you year did you yeah, see Aerosmith. Yeah, like did you see? It's like a wine. <laughs> did you see? Did you see? Uh, you know, eighty-eight Aerosmith. All right. Did you see? Except they get better with age. That maybe we we strike that and reverse it rather than wine. Um, yeah, you, you see, oh five Aerosmith, or did you see twenty twenty-four Aerosmith? Uh, Captain Jim saying, uh, would you not go to see Terry Funk? At his 32nd retirement match, just to say you saw him, Terry Funk over Ric Flair. I mean, I guess, but like, I don't know. Listen, I do not begrudge any of these acts for continuing to make money. Paul McCartney is 80 years old. He cannot hit 12% of the notes that he could hit, um, I don't know, 20 years ago. Actually, probably 30 years ago. He shot his voice fairly early. It's like Robert Plant. Like, Robert Plant has not been Robert Plant since like 1985. Um, but the point is I don't begrudge them, but I also don't go into it with the same expectations. And I really feel like I'm just kind of being an a-hole here. The more I talk about it, the worse it gets. So I'm going to go with Tommy. Tommy, welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you, Nick. Nick, I got to tell you, being back in the day, okay, I saw Aerosmith and Joe Cocker at, um, Edgewater Park. Uh-huh. It was a free, it was a free show. Okay. Aerosmith, it was before Walk, Walk This Way. Okay, uh, Walking the Dog was their big hit. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they played. It was wonderful. And then Joe Cocker came out. He was so effed up. I mean, it, he almost passed out on the piano on, like, on his third song. Aerosmith came back out, did a couple of his songs, and finished the show. It was incredible. It was unbelievable. And it was. And then you know, then I saw Aerosmith after that. But this, this, this was. Just the way music was back in the day. It was a free concert. It was unbelievable. So let me ask you, do you have yeah. higher expectations if you were to go see Aerosmith this year than you did in 1975 when we when you went to go see Aerosmith? 
No. And it's like, okay, I don't think you can hit the notes that you want to hit. All right. Okay. Now, I've, seen the Stone, I've seen the Stones three times. My wife looked up the pricing for the tickets. Nosebleeds were like $300. It's like, well, I'm not going to go see these geezers for $300. I've seen them three times, you know. Tommy. And, uh, now, yeah. No, go ahead real quick. No, no. It's just like, you know, these guys are living on their past. You know what I mean? They can't sing like they used to. Tommy, we appreciate you. I kind of feel vindicated by what Tommy said. I kind of feel like I'd been trying to, like, maybe maybe soften the blow a little bit here. We're just a couple friends. We're just a couple bros broing out. I just want to make sure, like, we all admit that when we go to see one of the geriatric bands that, like, yeah, Billy Joel's not going to hit every note in Piano Man. We, we got to be okay with that, right? Like, Because I, I think if you're going to Billy Joel and you're expecting 1988 Billy Joel, I think you're the a-hole. Like I think, I think if you expect Rod Stewart, if you're a, if you're a, a big a female Rod Stewart fan, and you're expecting him to get things moving the way that they did 50 years ago, I think that's on you. Hey, we're we're in song songbook Rod Stewart right now. When you go to see a geriatric band or performer, are you expecting it to be good? There's a curiosity about this. Craig saying, I saw Tom Petty on two of his farewell tours and wasn't even his final one. Saw Rolling Stones a few years ago in Detroit. They were surprisingly still good. I have tickets to Aerosmith and worried. Hope they get back on tour. That, I like to be surprised. Because here's the thing. I When it's a when it's a young band or a, a, a prime of their life band, I have high expectations because I'm paying an ass load to see them. I then lower the expectations for the older bands even though I'm paying three times the price for those tickets, hoping they can still clear the bar. Like, all right, you know what, Steven? Steven and Joe, I'm going to put this bar right here. Clear this bar, and we'll be okay. I was going to say, as a concert goer, would you rather go in with the high expectations, or would you rather go in with the low expectations of, like, an older band versus, like, the high expectations of, like, a band that's, like, on the cusp there? It should be relative to how much you pay that it it can't be. It's got to be... It's like relative from where their last hit was, right? Like, like Aerosmith's last good song was on like uh, the album that had Pink on it in like 1997. It's been 30, it's been, you know, damn near 30 years. Yeah, we should go ahead and just kind of bring it down a notch. Also, another thing, I will not see a comedian pass their prime anymore. I, I can, I will not. Uh, John Mulaney, peak of his powers. I will see John Mulaney. Um, I will see. Honestly, Chappelle's kind of teetering on the edge, but Chappelle, Bill Burr, those guys still have a fastball. Jerry Seinfeld, you could not pay me to see Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, Ken backs up what you're saying here. He texts in that uh, it's not about seeing them at their very best anymore. It's about the experience and being able to say he saw them before they all died. And that's so morbid. And that's so weird. Like... Ness and I were talking, and the reason why I'm bringing this all up is Vanessa is convinced Aerosmith is going to be like, oh, my God. And I'm like, Steven Tyler literally is so old that he's screaming his voice out of his mouth. Like, they had to, they had to, they had to delay a little bit of this tour, the Cleveland show, because his voice cannot handle touring anymore. And she's like, oh, it's going to be so great. And I'm like, maybe we should just hope for really just enjoyable. 
right? Maybe we should sing Dream On so loud that if maybe he's not hitting the notes, then we both won't be hitting the notes. You know what I mean? Like it'll be, let's, let's meet each other in the middle. I'll sing poorly. You'll sing poorly, but hopefully I'm too drunk to notice. And hopefully, hopefully Steven's so sober that he's just, it's just, it's just happy to be out there, right? Just good for you, dog. You just get out there and just be old and just be singing and I'll just be drunk and it'll be good. And by good, I mean, it'll happen. That's where we are. And her expectations are she's going to see Aerosmith in, uh, in 77 before Blow became a problem for the band, okay? Maybe that's 76 or 75. 216-474-0092. When you go to see an advanced age act, are you expecting it to be the end-all be-all? Are you lowering your expectations? It's important for our next conversation to have this as part of the conversation and part of the backdrop of the conversation. I realized this week I am not in any way over the Houston loss. Um, it is so difficult to separate how what an awesome, fun season it was where this team defied expectations, defied the odds at every single opportunity, and where they turned bleep into Shinola at every single opportunity. They turned lemons into lemonade damn near every opportunity. And, and yet, it was as exhausting of a Brown season as I can remember. But it was so much fun. And December, specifically. You know, December's even in, in good starts of the season under Kevin Stefanski. December has been an interesting spot for Kevin Stefanski teams. So, it's been tough. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I have to admit how irritated, um, red-assed to go Ken Carmen, how just completely nonplussed I am about what happened in the playoffs because it just didn't feel like the Browns were in the playoffs. And I have to admit that so we can then have the next conversation because I heard Mike Florio on uh, the midday show where Mike did exactly what Mike does, where Mike pointed out that, you know, it's, it's going to be tougher in the AFC next year. Joe Burrow's going to be healthy. Uh, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be healthy. Um, they obviously now with the Jim Harbaugh news and my take on this is listen I do think and I can understand how much more tricky next year could be for the Cleveland Browns right if Pittsburgh actually decided to get serious about winning and went and got a, a, a quarterback who actually didn't suck as opposed to Mason Rudolph or Kenny Pickett this division would get even tougher if Joe Burrow bounces back as 100%, which everybody expects, this division gets tougher. Look to the AFC at large. We mentioned Aaron Rodgers. You, you look around the NFL. I, I don't think uh, Jacksonville is going to have two straight down seasons in a row. Trevor Lawrence, I think, that is another opportunity for him to take a step forward. Jim Harbaugh going to the Chargers. But I just don't – like, I pay attention to what every team does outside of Cleveland in, in your division because it does matter. But in the end, if the Browns take care of what the Browns have to take care of, 
And I don't know what, like, honestly, uh, there's a part of this that this just, eh, Deshaun, stay healthy. There is a part of this that it's that simple. And, but even if we just go beyond the simplicity of if Deshaun stays healthy, things are going to be okay and things should be fun, right? There are things you can do as an organization to put yourself in the best possible scenario. The Browns this last year, the Browns did not Deshaun-proof the team because they brought back backup quarterbacks and Josh Dobbs and DTR. They they added DTR, and we saw this team struggle with the backup quarterback position after Deshaun got hurt both times until Joe Flacco took over in December. But every other position, they, in, in ways, Deshaun-proofed, or, or rather quarterback injury-proofed their team. They built the deepest defensive side of the ball that they've had. This this last year, they had more depth, than it, was, it this bears out how, how they actually performed down the stretch after losing certain guys, but guys like Mo Hurst and hitting on Mo Hurst. But even, I mean, the frontline moves, uh, trading for Zedarius Smith, um, you know, uh, signing Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, what they did with their, their abilities to both uh, find safeties uh, in, in Juan Thornhill and then drafting a guy like Ronnie Hickman and bringing along a guy like DeAnthony Bell. So the Browns did this last offseason. It was the best job Andrew Barry has, has done of building the rest of the roster out. So if the Browns do that again, yes, you're going to have concerns about Deshaun. The Browns can't do anything about that. They can't cut Deshaun. They can't trade Deshaun, right? Like you can bring in a good backup or you can bring back uh, Joe Flacco. But like everybody focuses, oh man, Chargers hired Jim Harbaugh. Like what are we going to do? I don't care. Just, Just hiring Jim Harbaugh doesn't fix a team that has massive foundational flaws. It might make them a better team just because he's a good coach and seems to be a better coach than Brandon Staley. But it's not like the Browns are the paupers. It's not like Hugh Jackson is your coach anymore. It's not like Freddie Kitchens is your head coach anymore. So there's a part of me every time somebody's quarter they trades for a good quarterbacker. You know, CJ Stroud, honestly, his development in Houston adds a, another wrinkle. There's another really great quarterback in this division. And, you know, Bomani Jones was talking about uh, you know, where does Deshaun rank in the AFC? I don't care. That's perception. Perception in in January doesn't matter to me. Perception in April does not matter to me. What matters to me is that as we go on the next journey of this offseason, the next five months, that you supercharge your offensive staff by finding the right offensive coordinator in any other position that you hire there. I I really already do like the Deuce Staley move, uh, that you make – really smart choices about who you bring in around the guys that you have because you have enough upper echelon talent. You proved that this year. And how you actually maximize your draft collateral even though you have a first-round pick. If the Browns nail all that, guys, they're going to be really competitive. And and this idea of, well, but Deshaun, but Deshaun with the health. Yeah, no, you know what, Sherlock? Like, no bleep. Yes, if a quarterback has injury problems, it's tough to win. Welcome to the NFL. Thank you for that just marvelous piece of analysis. But I don't care. Like, I care what happens around the Browns to an extent. I care more that the Browns put themselves for the second straight offseason, that they build. Because here's the thing. It's easier to ace this offseason than it was a year ago. You, You went in a year ago with a brand-new coaching staff, 
uh, with what is it? Two thirds of your coordinators being replaced with the, the big question being Deshaun's play, not Deshaun's health. Then you've got, um, who's going to be your wide receivers? Um, you know, rebuild the entirety of the defensive line outside of miles, uh, rebuild, maybe the linebacker crew, which they kind of just brought everybody back, but you know, rebuild the safety room. Oh, and by the way, you still don't have a first round pick. That was an ass load of moves. And they still have. Like, if you can find a good, like a really nice wide receiver, that's expensive. That's not easy to find. It's not cheap. Um, if you could find a a true starting defensive end across from Miles. You know, I mentioned Joey Bosa maybe getting cut in with the Chargers. That'd be a dream. You might have to find your next Zadarius Smith. You might have to bring back Zadarius. I don't know. So it's not that the Browns don't have questions. Every team in the NFL has questions. Every team in the AFC right now is racking their brains saying, how do I get into the playoffs, right, if I'm the eighth seed from this last year or the 10th seed or if I'm Denver or if I'm Cincinnati and every team in the playoffs is thinking to themselves, how do I stay in the playoffs or how do I go from the fifth seed to the one seed? That's every year in the offseason, but because Cleveland fans react at mass to anything that is said about their team, jabronis like Mike Florio, and Mike, by the way, Mike makes more money than me. Mike is more successful. Kudos to him. But Mike knows what he's doing when he says, eh, yeah, it's going to be really tough to compete. No, <laughs> no, really, woo, you got me there. He reel it in there with those hot takes about how tough it's going to be. But I thought it was interesting. Yesterday, we had Ross Tucker on. Because I, to me, I always just focus on the Browns. What can the Browns do to get, can I just go full Kevin Stefanski, to get 1% better today? Whereas everybody else points it to the rest of the, the competitive landscape. And I asked Ross, you know, what's a bigger deal? Is it Deshaun's health? Is it the Browns? Or is it what's happening around them in the AFC? I don't know about Deshaun's health. So I'm going to say the overall competitiveness of the AFC. Because it's just rough. I mean, look at the four quarterbacks that played this weekend. They're all better than Deshaun Watson. And they're going to be. And then who are the other guys that didn't play that are still better than him? Burrow, Herbert. I mean, if you really list it, even if he's healthy next year, is Deshaun Watson a top eight quarterback in the AFC? Mahomes, Josh Allen, DJ Stroud, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Tua Tungavailoa. I mean, he was unquestionably one of the top five guys in 2020 in the whole league. And now it's a real battle to consider him a top seven guy in just the AFC. If you put Tua in the NFC, Tua would be a top five quarterback. If you put Justin Herbert, even with his up and down as the Chargers have been, if you put Justin Herbert on an up and down franchise in the NFC, Justin Herbert would be a top five quarterback. So those are guys who played last year, who played at a pretty high level, who would struggle to be top five quarterbacks in this in this conference. But what Ross is speaking to is not the reality of the situation. One, Deshaun has not met the bar that everybody wants him to meet. And as long as he has not met that bar, until he's until you can say the trade paid off and he is worth what they paid for him, which will entail a full season of health, which will entail 35 touchdowns, which, which will entail going to the playoffs and winning a playoff game, until he does that, the wheels of perception in the NFL are against Deshaun. And, and so 
The thing that I took umbrage with what Ross had to say and where I just vehemently disagree is this idea that, well, even if Deshaun was healthy, you know, he's not going to be seen as one of the, the, the top seven quarterbacks in the AFC. I don't think you can say that. I mean, I think you I think it's fair to say that now because he's he's played 11 games in in two seasons and if you look at the stat line, the stat line isn't the sexiest stat line in the NFL. I'll also say Deshaun put in a lot better football this year than he did last year. And it felt like if you look at the Nove- the the last three games, it felt like Deshaun was pushing to something closer to the level that we we expect from Deshaun. And if we think back to the way he played in the second half of that Baltimore game, now, people will say, well, but he didn't throw the deep ball a lot. That's fair. He also had two separate shoulder injuries. But I think it, I think it is talking out of both sides of your mouth to say, well, you know, um, yeah, I mean, it's just a really tough competitive landscape. And yeah, if Deshaun's completely healthy next year, they're, they're still not going to win. I, 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 and while at the same point, kissing the ass of Aaron, I'm not saying Ross is doing this. I'm saying the national analysts, assuming that Aaron Rodgers, a healthy Aaron Rodgers is going to lead the jets to a top four seat. I think there's a lot of convenient. There's no real defense of Deshaun right now. And right now, like it, it goes back to the excuses thing, guys. If you say Deshaun's health was the biggest issue with his 2023, that's not an excuse. It was a shoulder injury, his throwing shoulder, and he plays the quarterback position in the NFL. And his numbers still are pretty good if you factor in the shoulder excuse. It's not an excuse. It's a reason. Two years ago, it wasn't an excuse that the guy hadn't played football in 700 days. That's a real thing. But because there's just a natural perception issue with Deshaun, People are not rooting for Deshaun because of why he was suspended and and why he was sued. People are not rooting for Deshaun because it is unpopular to force your way out of a team like he did with Houston before the allegations. And then 700 days and all these different things. If Deshaun is healthy next year, the Browns are going to be in the playoffs. That not You know how I know? Because they had subpar quarterback play, even with the vaunted Joe Flacco. The guy had a 4% interception percentage. That is alarmingly high. Any quarterback who wasn't fresh off the couch throws 4%. Jameis Winston is famous for throwing 4% interception. The dude gets benched. You're not talking about him as comeback player of the year. Perception. The perception is against the Browns. I don't give a rip about that. I care about reality, and I care about what the Browns do to make themselves better, and to whatever extent you can, Deshaun proved this roster this offseason. They did it last year, and it's proven by their 11-win season. They do it this offseason, they're going to be just fine. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.